0: The Annex Wealth Management Show, the longest-running weekly personal finance radio show in Wisconsin. Annex Wealth Management is a local fee-only fiduciary providing investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. Know the difference. An 8% mortgage, a 5% tenure... And what's this, about a
1: 4% GDP? Welcome to Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Glad you are here. We are not social media influencers. We're not a franchise. We're definitely not salespeople. We're going to share our thoughts, our observations, our analysis. And we do it for free every single week on this show. Hopefully, in the next hour, you're going to hear some stuff that's going to pique your interest. Consider Annex Wealth Management. Absolutely think about that. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. Welcome. Thank you, Danny. Dave Spano, President and CEO. Welcome to you. Yeah, thanks, Danny. You know, that
2: lead-in that you had talking about higher interest rates are on everyone's minds. And, of course, the geopolitical risks that is out there, everyone knows about. But you really try to balance that out. But the stock market is really not digesting it that well. And technically, Derek, we moved under the 200-day moving average. And that is something we pay attention to. But more importantly,
3: as Danny points out... Interest rates are higher. No, the stock market wants to go to a party, but the bond market won't get in the car.
2: There you go. So you talk about higher interest rates, and of course, that has an effect on valuations across everything from equities to debt to even real estate. But we are in this season right now, Danny, that we, you know, it's good seasonality. As we get into the fourth quarter, generally, historically, the market does better. Part of that is that earnings are coming out, and the comparisons, Derek, are going to get easier than what we've seen before.
3: Right this year, the forecasts are for flat earnings on a year-over-year basis. Next next quarter, they're supposed to accelerate almost to double-digit levels, and likewise in twenty twenty-four. So the valuation of the market has improved as the, the weakness we've seen persists.
2: And you talk about really seasonality in earnings, and we really look across a number of sectors, and one of those sectors not surprisingly that is doing well, is energy. And part of that is because of the geopolitical uncertainty, especially with what is happening in Israel, because Iran's involvement is really kind of key to this. If they get involved and they choke off the Straits of Hormuz, that could make oil prices go even higher than the $90 a barrel
3: we saw this week. Right. And the the other reason we've uh, held energy tactically in our portfolios is we, we believe that the lack of CapEx over the last decade. Uh, so really, the price increase is more about lack of supply than lack of demand. And if that exacerbates, then you're going to see incredible earnings from the oil companies. The comparisons next year are very easy. They're going to contribute a lot to that S&P earnings growth that's forecasted for 2024.
2: Yeah, so we're going to get to GDP, but I just wanted to go out there and let people know that you know we look at oil production and really what's happening in, in the United States. This is a surprise, in fact that we are larger than Saudi Arabia we are exporting 4 million barrels a day. And what that does, that lowers the trade deficit, which is kind of helping uh, a lot of things across the interest rate market and the U.S. dollar. But for sure, we still have to start talking about inflation and GDP. That topic is not going away. And of course, you mentioned GDP still positive.
3: Right. Well, the forecast for third quarter GDP are anywhere from four to five percent. The Atlanta Fed is actually at five point seven percent, which is, I think, why the companies that have reported thus far have beaten estimates by a wide margin.
2: You know, of course, in the GDP, it looks positive. Inflation is trying to get to the Fed's target is going to be a bumpy ride, Danny. There's just no doubt about that. We look at what is coming down the pike. And of course, it is getting better. You'll remember, Danny, that a year ago, inflation was as high as nine It has trended down, no doubt about it. But there's these things that continue to go in there. Those are wages and energy prices. Those are still putting pressure on the inflation expectations. How's our old buddy, the wall of worry? Yeah, the wall of worry is still there. It begins to, it's still being built up on. You just can't get away, of course, from the big two stories. One is treasury yields continuing to go up. And number two, geopolitical risks around the world obviously are very high, not only in, of course, the Israel situation, but still Ukraine and Russia is still at the top of the conversation. And we saw that, Derek, this week with the president
3: asking for more money. Right. And that's, again, you know, would that lead to more issuance, which would be further upward pressure on interest rates? I mean, the treasury market, the drawdown the treasury market has seen over the last couple of years is the largest on record. And it's going to be a problem for the government if these short-term rates don't start to go down, because it's got to refinance the debt.
2: That's right. And you talk about the debt that's out there right now. And of course, the trillions of dollars, $33.5 trillion in debt. Danny, that is not going away. And of course, when those bonds come due, they're going to have to renew them at higher interest
1: rates. There's a lot going on. You need a strong partner to guide you. Annex Wealth Management is here. We are ready. We do investment and retirement planning. We do tax planning. We do estate planning. Maybe you're working with somebody else, and maybe they're doing the best they can, but you deserve better. You need to kick our tires. You need to do some research on Annex Wealth Management. we got no problem with that at all. In fact, we encourage it. It all starts by heading to our website. It's AnnexWealth.com. What you do, click that Get Started button. Let's just start the conversation. That is our Week in Review, available as a podcast delivered Sundays in the Axiom newsletter. This is Money Talk, the Annex
0: Wealth Management Show, Saturday, October 21st. Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on WTMJ. We're back. A couple things you can do on the weekend. Sign
1: up for the Axiom, free weekly newsletter, social media. We're there. LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, a great YouTube channel, Graphonomics at AnnexWealth.com. Really good. Really boils things down. Three graphs it will help you make sense of the economy really good swat podcast that comes out early Monday morning. That's from the guys in the Annex Wealth Management Investment Team, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. Dave Spano is our President and CEO.
2: You know, Danny, you started the first segment talking about interest rates, and I think that's really important. You know, we watch what's called the treasury yields uh, very closely. And what we looked at this week was that the 10-year treasury was above 4.9, and the two-year treasury, was just above 5.0. So in other words, they're starting to level out and that gap has closed, something we haven't seen in years, as a matter of fact.
3: Right, they call that a bear steepener where long rates go up more than uh, short rates. And while historically a steepening yield curve is a positive thing for risk assets, it's not when it comes from an inverted level.
2: Right, and so we're watching that closely and generally it could turn around and be a positive, but technically we saw something this week we didn't like and that's the S&P 500 closed under. Underneath its 200-day moving average, that is a technical indicator. But we found it interesting because we thought that the market had been oversold maybe a week or two ago.
3: Well, we've we've talked about being balanced, really, for the last several months. We talked about the fear and greed indicator in July and August. It was elevated at 70 and 80. And we said, you know, dial it back, rebalance. Now's an opportunity. You know, will the 200-day hold? We'll see. A lot of technicians look at it as a sign of long-term trends. But the kind of volatility we've seen recently can be very perplexing to people.
2: And and what I really want as, as a takeaway, folks, is not to try to time the market. As you know, we certainly don't advocate for that but you can be selective about what you do if you have some capital on the periphery, maybe putting that to work in certain segments, but you've got to do the work. We do a lot of bottom up work, and there are some sectors that are looking more positive than they have in the past.
3: Right. One we like is communication services. There, there, there's a case where many of the companies, the largest market cap, have a lot of cash. They don't have any debt, so they actually benefit from rising rates. And in terms of relative performance, that's going to hold their earnings up. So we like that sector a lot. Uh, we mentioned energy. We believe that's going to benefit from higher oil oil prices, potential unrest in the Middle East. And then just broadly speaking, technology is a solution to slower growth. It's productivity enhancement and and so on. So those are the sectors we tend to like the most.
2: There's this chart that our team put together that we generally look at, and we look at one of these things called free cash flow. Not everyone knows what that means, but it's generally at the top of our ranking system.
3: Right. It's it's the money a company has after they pay all their expenses and make investments and the rest, and that's the money they can use to do buybacks. Now, remember, the buyback window is going to open in early November. That's a source of demand for stocks. But there are a lot of companies that are generating ample cash and are generating 5% returns on those cash hoards. And you certainly shouldn't get over your skis,
2: as we like to say in times like this, especially when there is competition for equity. What does that mean? You can go and get a money market rate near 5%
3: right now and sit on the sideline and reduce your risk enormously. We've done that with our clients in our fixed income portfolios. Our bond managers have done a fabulous job uh, navigating a very weak uh, ag bond market, if you will, uh, with a lower duration on the short end, and also picking up high-yield bonds on weakness because we believe the default risks are low.
2: And so we talk about portfolio construction, Danny, and that's what it is. And When folks, when they come in and we look out and we put that on the screen, what do you own? Why is it in that portfolio? How did it get there? How much are you paying for it? You hear us say that all of the time, but that is what you get when you come in. We'll look at your portfolio, we'll analyze it, we'll show you what we
1: think should be in there, or perhaps what should not. My wife and I just went through it a couple of weeks ago, and it—you know—you know the old saying: "Mama's not happy, nobody's yeah, happy." Exactly. She, you know, she's like, "Okay, where are we? Where are we?" And it's like, "Okay, let's let's sit down, let's do it." All of a sudden, it becomes a whole lot clearer. And let me tell you, Mama's a lot more happy.
2: Well, it's funny because you, know, you get to see a lot of clients uh, through our glass conference rooms. And You saw us at work uh, earlier this week, and what we did is we went back to the plan. And that is the most important thing. You talk about what is in your plan, when do you expect to retire, will your money last. These are all questions that people
1: like to know. They sure are. You know, we often say, know the difference. You've heard some of our clients where you hear the difference coming up a little bit later on in the show We're going to say, what's the difference? We've got Annex Private Client. We've got Annex Comprehensive Wealth. And we have Annex Ignite. What's the difference? Well, it's fairly substantial. But let me tell you, no matter where you're at on your journey, there is a place for you at Annex Wealth Management. Maybe newly out of college. Maybe you're 30 and the first baby's on the way. Maybe you're 40. Maybe you're 50 and, you know, retirement's 10 years out. Maybe you're already retired. We're going to see where you're going to fit. What's the difference? That's coming up. We sure would like you to stick around for that. That's going to be fun. That's coming up. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620
0: WTMJ. One team, one plan, one fee. Annex Wealth Management works in your best interest. Can your advisors say that? This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management?
1: Amy Bremer is a CFP and a wealth manager with Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Thanks, Danny. It is called the Great Wealth Transfer, 844 trillion dollars in wealth will be transferred between 2021 and 2045, primarily from baby boomer households to younger generations. Amy, I struggled with this. I found this article, but it was really pitched at the people to receive the inheritance. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've picked up on certain chatter, maybe amongst millennials, that their retirement plan might be getting their parents' money. Have you picked up anything like that?
4: Most of my clients that I work with here at Annex are the folks that would be leaving the money. I don't have a whole lot of younger clients like that that are expecting. And the younger clients that I do have are at Annex and they're working towards a retirement. So in my personal experience at the practice at Annex here, I haven't experienced that. But I could see how the headwinds facing those younger generations with student loan debt and mortgages and the rising cost of child care are providing challenges for saving for their own retirement.
1: We're going to talk about the plan for leaving an inheritance, and we're going to take this from the boomer or greatest generation point of view. If your client of Annex, as Amy mentions, estate planning is part of what we do. So if your plan is to leave money for either your heirs or some entity, the first piece of advice is to talk about it early. Does this mean with Annex or the kids, wouldn't it be better to have your financial ducks in a row so you'd know how the conversation with the kids might go?
4: Yes. Communication is key. If you don't communicate your intent or how much there's coming, the kids can't prepare for it. It could include fights among siblings. It could include confusion over what were mom and dad's original intentions and uncertainty about where to find proper documents or even where all the accounts are located.
1: It could be an awkward conversation, though, because it does bring up mortality, money that can change people. Somebody might feel left out or otherwise excluded. And really, let's just say that mom and dad are there and then you've got married kids. Do the spouses, are they part of that?
4: That's a phenomenal question. Let me just preface this by saying this conversation is generally not easy. Most families grew up not talking about money. It's kind of a taboo subject, so this is a really uncomfortable thing to do. But I challenge you to stretch yourself outside of your comfort zone and respect the fact that you may have cultural differences that maybe make talking about money taboo. One of the things that we do here at Annex is we facilitate family meetings where it's multi-generational and maybe it's just with the biological children, not the married spouse. Is in the room with mom and dad, and then the, the professional, certified financial professional, like someone at Annex, to help guide those conversations. And we've had great success with those.
1: We're with Amy Bremer, CFP, and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management planning for inheritance. Another consideration, make sure the money is safe. In my opinion, if a plan is already in place, that would help, wouldn't it?
4: It would help. This is why we focus very clearly on estate planning with our annex clients. Everyone, everyone, whether you have $1 or $100 million, needs a financial power of attorney, a healthcare power of attorney, and a basic will. So as parents start aging, they may forget about those documents. So the sooner you communicate with your children that you have that set up, where those important papers live, it's going to make that, when the time comes, and I tell all the folks I look with, everyone's going to punch that ticket, every single one of us. So when the time comes, it'll be an easier thing for the children to facilitate.
1: Okay, for the recipients, plan to spend it wisely, and that's what we wish for and what the kids might do is completely different. We can't control that.
4: We can't control it. And Annex, we don't control it. We are very upfront with the parents saying that when you pass away, this money becomes the children's money. If they want to go to Vegas and stick it all in red, they can. We will certainly guide them and give them as much advice as they are willing to accept. But when I work with families that have inheritance or even if they fall into a small windfall like a bonus at work or a wage increase at the end of the year, I'm always on the advocate for a balance. Save some of it, but spend some of it on a fun thing because you worked hard for it. You should enjoy that money. So some of the logical, smart things you can do is if you have bad debt, student loan debts, credit card debts, pay those off. Think about building your emergency fund. A fully funded emergency fund is three to six months worth of living expenses in case of a job loss. And then look at longer term goals like buying a house, buying a new car, funding your children's education, or even your own retirement. But then something fun, like maybe your mom and dad took you to the Grand Canyon as kids. So maybe you take your children to the Grand Canyon and say, this is what Papa and Gigi used to do when we were little kids. Final
1: piece of advice for recipients, don't bank on it. And that might be a big problem. Don't bank on it.
4: Nothing. I repeat nothing is guaranteed. Your mom and dad could have this conversation with you. Something bad happens. There's a dementia diagnosis and you know your mother is in long-term care facility for the next 20 years and funds are exhausted. Yep. Nothing is guaranteed. So make sure that your financial house is in good order and don't rely on that generational wealth transfer.
1: Get a plan. Get it in writing. Amy Bremer, CFP and a wealth manager, at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you.
4: My pleasure, Danny.
1: This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management
0: Show on 620 WTMJ. Planning and investing insight from a fee only fiduciary. And we put that in writing. You're listening to Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on WTMJ. We are back, and it's time for Ask Annex, as always.
1: I know I say this all the time, but if you've got a question for us, you don't have to be a client. Just head to our website and look for the Ask tab. It's AnnexWealth.com. In the studio, Fred Coleman, a CFP and a Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Thank you, Danny. And we got Matt Moores, the Investment Team Manager. Welcome to you. Thank you, Danny. First question. I have a Roth account from my previous job. I contributed to it for about five years. Currently have a newer, more stable job with a 403B. Do I keep the money in the Roth or should I transfer it over to the 403B? Are there other options slash considerations? I appreciate any other advice.
5: Congrats on the new job. The first thing you have to keep in mind is that the Roth is after tax. So that means you already paid taxes on it. So we want to keep the money in some type of after-tax investment vehicle. So the first thing you do, look at your new company's 403B plan. Do they have a designated Roth account? Once you figure out that they do have a designated Roth account, figure out what are the investment options, and do they make sense for you to roll that previous employer's plan into that 403B? If they do, then that could make sense. Employer plans are typically lower costs, and the funds can be difficult to access. That's the only thing you have to think about. The other option is a Roth IRA. Roth IRAs are going to be far more flexible than workplace plans, and you're going to have far more investment options. With Roth IRAs, you can invest in just about anything, and you do have a little more ease to access the funds.
1: Next up, I'd like to invest my HSA. What's the best way to
6: find a suitable fund? That's a great question. I love HSAs, so that's a great place to do your investing in as well, too, due to all the tax benefits you get there. First thing to think of, You know, almost like with the 401K, 403B is that you're going to have a limited options of the funds that are out there. So you're probably going to start with a small amount to really even review. First thing I would look at is how active do you want to be in it yourself? Do you want to manage it? Do you want somebody's help managing that? When you're looking at do you want somebody's help, whether somebody like Annex, which we can help provide suggestions for you, or that they're going to have a series of target date funds where you can control what risk you're taking based off of how far out you go from that and what the purpose of that HSA is. If you think you're going to be accessing some of that cash relatively soon, you're probably going to want to stay pretty conservative or have a higher cash balance. If this is something that you're younger and you're thinking you're going to keep it for retirement health spending, you probably want to get pretty aggressive on it. Outside of target date funds, a lot of HSAs really just have index funds, so you have to create your own allocation at that point in time. But at least you're not trying to vet active managers. But ultimately, for a lot of people, the target date fund is really a great option there.
1: Next up on Ask we're going to blend families in early 2024. My spouse and I have good income, significant assets, and some minor debt. Is there a playbook for combining assets? My friends suggest we wait a year to let the dust settle and determine spending habits.
5: I wouldn't necessarily recommend waiting a year to determine the spending habits. I think this should be done as soon as possible. This doesn't mean that you need to combine all of your assets, but you should start to put a plan together because it could just take a long time just to get on the same page. But if I had to think of a playbook, here would be a quick playbook. Uh, You want to work with your spouse to come up with an emergency fund. These are funds that both of you put aside. You don't touch keeping cash just in case one of you lose your job. Another emergency comes up you got to pay some bills, hospital expenses, any of those things. You also have to keep your retirement account separate. So you're going to continue to invest in your 401k on your own, your IRA. So those things are going to remain separate. You don't have to worry about those. I would recommend also open up a joint investment account. This is just for you two to get together, start to develop some goals. And it could be as simple as putting $100 per month in there or more. Just have a long or mid-range term goal, start to combine your savings. Last, each of you should have just separate accounts for regular everyday things that you need to do. That could be buying a birthday gift, going to a sporting event. Those are the important things to keep separate. But the main thing is not necessarily making sure that all your assets are combined, just making sure that your plan is all as one.
1: Last question on Ask Annex. Besides an emergency fund, how much cash should I keep at home? That's a great one.
6: Yeah, it really is. And it really depends on how you spend money. Myself, my wife and I, we put everything on our credit card, pay it off every single month. So we really don't use cash at all. We have a little bit of a petty cash so that when we do receive cash for something, we put it in an envelope in our house and either one of us can get a name point. Frankly, we've got two small kids, six and nine. So most of the time that cash just goes to paying babysitters. (laughs) And really the only time we ever access it at all, frankly, our kids probably have more cash at home than we do, uh, just from getting money from the tooth fairy and from birthday gifts. So they really are the ones that have cash in our house. But we have everything ourselves in our checking account. You know, we pay off our credit card every single month, but we put everything on there. But if you're somebody who likes to use cash to do your normal spending, you know, then I would look to see how much you spend, you know, in between paychecks or once a month and just kind of see what you go through and have that much available.
5: Yeah. And the one thing you got to think about with that is just inflation, right? If you put a dollar underneath your mattress a couple years ago, you're not going to have the same purchasing power that you will have today. So just something to keep in the back of your mind. We've all got that fantasy of like taking the picture off the wall, and there's the hidden safe, and then you open it. It's got you know,
1: $10,000 in there. I, I've got a safe, and I open it sometimes, and I have $40 of cash. So <laughs> it's, it's my own little version of it. That is Ask Annex. has always, got a question. You head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. You click the Get Started button. Matt Morsey, Investment Team Manager, thanks. Thank you. Fred Coleman, CFP, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Danny. Annex Private Client. Annex Comprehensive Wealth, Annex Ignite. What's the difference? Quick break. We're going to talk about it. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. One
0: team, one plan, one fee. Money Talk is straight talk from a local fee-only fiduciary. It's time to know the difference. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on WTMJ. Know the Difference with Annex
1: Wealth Management. Mark Beck, Chief Growth Officer at Annex is back. Welcome. Thank you. You We did a segment a couple of years ago based on a call we took on one of our radio shows. The guy was 62, wanted to know when he should start working with an investment and retirement plan. And Mark, if I remember correctly, it opened up a whole conversation about when someone should engage.
7: You will often open up a can of worms with a question like that. I always think to myself, when is really about your readiness and willingness to be engaged? Really around, am I ready for
1: advice? Yeah. It was based on age and timing. Let's talk about where they should fit within the structure of Annex Wealth Management because we are built to meet people wherever they're at on their journey. And as our clients' needs grow, we're growing right alongside them with additional staff resources, all the knowledge required to meet the need. Probably the classic Annex experience is what's called Annex Comprehensive Wealth. Let's talk about that.
7: It's the development that has happened at Annex along with clients, as you said, as we've all kind of grown and developed and understand. And the refinement of the delivery, so kind of service model is the way to think about this. When you talk about Annex Comprehensive Wealth, you're talking about someone that's a achieved a certain level of financial security, and gotten to a point where the complexity of planning starts to advance. We're likely closing in on retirement, or at least getting to a spot where we really want a clear path to make sure we're going to get there. We're thinking a little bit more along the advanced strategies that might be available to us to be able to accumulate significant wealth and get to the point where we can maintain our lifestyle into retirement. Really, it's, I want to live every day like it's Saturday never want to be a financial burden to somebody else. And I want to be able to orderly pass along my assets when that time comes. And all the strategies that go along with
1: that That is Annex Comprehensive Wealth. Now, Annex Private Client came about through a long process with a goal to address complex challenges that high net worth individuals and families encounter. It's one of the main reasons we've added wealth strategists estate planning attorneys, tax specialists, and we built an even stronger investment committee. And it was a natural part of the growth of Annex Wealth Management. And you, as Chief Growth Officer, you're very involved with this.
7: Absolutely. This is a spot where we can bring together a team of strategists around a family and we start to deal with issues like philanthropy and multi-generational legacy wealth planning. The complexities around estate and tax really grow and bringing those things together, they really come together in a way, I'll loop in portfolio strategy there as well because they're all intertwined when we get to this level. It's really a, a fantastic opportunity to watch the team come together and coming together in this area where really complex scenarios are extremely important. But all of it is around that individual or family's primary financial goals. What are they really trying to accomplish, right? Is it lifestyle focused? Is it philanthropy focused? Or is it legacy?
1: It's a specialized team. Is it necessarily a larger team? Larger in the way of
7: connectedness, I would say. So in comprehensive wealth, we have financial planning team, tax planning team, estate planning team, of course, the investment management team, lots of team members there. But your primary engagement is going to be with client service manager and wealth manager. Those are your administrative administrators and your head coach for your team, if you will, and they're going to be guiding what's going on. And when we get to private client, what we're doing at this point is needing to bring together in the room some of those other strategists from those different walks. So the people that are focused on the investment portfolio, because it becomes even more customized in that space. Same thing on the tax and estate side, they're intertwined with one another. And it's
1: about execution of those strategies. It's important to note that we believe that investment and retirement planning is for everybody. Annex Ignite is designed for people who have simpler needs, but still have a desire to do things correctly on the way to the retirement they deserve. I wish Annex Ignite existed when I was in my 30s. It would have been the right vehicle. I needed strong guidance from someone who understood where I could go. My son and daughter-in-law, married now with a baby, both have you know pretty significant jobs. They need that kind of guidance.
7: They do, and that's what Annex Ignite is all about. This is directional in nature, right? It's guideposts along the way. It's the guidance that says, you know, if we make a couple of adjustments, you're on this course currently, and here's where you might want to end up when we get there, and what are the action items today to adjust to a course that fits with your long-range expectations, saving strategy, financial security security, making sure that you're handling short-term needs and long-term goals, that those things are blending themselves well together. That's
1: what Annex Ignite is about. Back to the start of this conversation, we talked about the timing of beginning to work with Annex. Nothing has changed there. We're going to meet you where you're at with our three platforms, Annex Ignite, Annex Comprehensive Wealth, and Annex Private Client. What's the best way to start? The best
7: way to start, really, is to reach out to us and begin with an initial conversation. Where are you now? What are you looking for? What are the things that are driving you to consider a relationship with a wealth management firm? And then we'll get to understand what the resources are and what your position is so far and guide
1: you down a path to what we think is going to be the best fit service model for you. Mark Beck, Chief Growth Officer, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. And we'll be right back. This is Money Talk, the Annex
0: Wealth Management Show, 620 WTMJ. The longest running weekly personal finance radio show in Wisconsin. This is Money Talk. The Annex Wealth Management Show on WTMJ. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. This show will be as
1: a podcast at the top of the hour, wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I'm doing the show. I like to go back and listen to it every once in a while because I just like to, you know, rehear some things every once in a while. I'm Danny Clayton, Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist, Annex Wealth Management, still in the studio we're gonna talk about real estate. Some interesting data points this past week. Is this chicken or the egg, Brian. The housing starts rose, the building permits mm-hmm. fell. And then meanwhile, homebuilder sentiment is sour, and it's been that way for a while. Yep. Existing home sales fell to levels we haven't seen since the global financial crisis. That's explainable. The nationwide average rate on a 30-year is now 8%. We haven't seen that since 2000, but we saw that coming. I mean, interest rates are going to go up. Everything's going to follow. That's right,
8: and I think that's one of the things that a lot of people who, when they were thinking about buying a home and they knew that the Fed was going to be hiking, it's like, let's race to get it done, lock in before the race. Rates move too much higher. And so now the people who are buying new homes, the extent to which, is it a cash deal? Uh, those have been on the rise, or are they hoping that, hey, let's do it and then we can always refinance in the future when
1: and if rates fall? So, if we light the torches and march on somebody, is it going to be the feds?
8: <laughs> yes. I think I mean, it actually reminds me in the 1970s, uh, the late 1970s, or maybe it was early 1980s, the home builders sent a two by four to Paul Volcker, <laughs> the chair of the Federal Reserve, and uh, basically kind of sit, pointing out, you're killing us. You are killing. Our industry with these high rates. Home builders, I don't think, have sent the same two by four to Chair Powell, but they might be getting close. Now, so most of it is due to the Fed, but some of it is also because uh, we've underinvested in property, especially multifamily, ever since the global financial crisis from 2008 to 2016 you know, if you kind of think about the scar, the scarring that took place from the global financial crisis, we didn't invest a lot in multifamily. And now with COVID, people wanting to move out of the cities into the suburbs, you got the single families, but what about multifamilies? So there's just not the
1: right mix of housing out there right now either. You spoke about investing. Many high net worth individuals are invested in real estate. There are many different ways, but how does it affect them?
8: So, obviously, high net worth individuals, they can have their own homes, so they have to kind of worry about those values and whether or not they have leverage on it, so they've taken out a loan. But they also oftentimes have the ability to invest in other properties. One of the popular things that people have done over the last few years has been to invest in properties. Maybe it's a duplex, maybe it's a multifamily real estate deal, or it's a separate facility, a separate home that maybe they want to list it on Airbnb or something like that. So, try to generate cash flow. So that's one of the ways in which high net worth individuals have historically done it. But, you know, if you think about, do you really want to be a landlord? Do you really want to have to hire a management company to collect the checks and do the maintenance and all that? And so there's a lot more to real estate investing than just housing. And that's what a lot of our private client group uh, individuals are coming to us with opportunities as far as It's not just owning a second home or a third home, but it's about what do they have in terms of office space, industrial properties, storage units. They might be uh, partners in an investment in other types of properties and not just housing
1: housing would be direct there's other ways broader
8: ways would that be reITs uh you know reITs are a great way for most individual investors to get more exposure to real estate if they want it so reITs real estate investment trusts are set up as investment vehicles they have to pay out 90 percent of their income to investors and so they buy up a bunch of properties but there are so many different types and that's what we like to do is sit down with clients and find out what's your risk exposure what are you looking for and what's the best vehicle don't go just basically based on the name. What about going with developers? Yes, that is something for uh, private clients that they can sometimes do, is work with a developer. They can become maybe a financier for them, a limited partner. The developer serves as a general partner, and they're the ones who develop the property, and they bring investors along with them. If you're a
1: financier, higher interest rates would be better for them, right? Well, you know, actually... For the loaner, I guess. Yeah, for the loaner, yeah, guess, for right. the loaner right, right, yeah, yeah. But
8: oftentimes, these are equity. So it's not... So They're taking on debt, so their cost of funding has gone up. They oftentimes will go to a bank that take out a loan at a high interest rate. And so it actually creates a higher hurdle in order to have a profitable investment opportunity there. So the hurdle is affecting deals. It is. yes. Yeah. We're seeing that across the board where a lot of developers are trying to raise
1: more equity to rely less on debt. Speaking of private clients and annex private client and high net worth individuals, how is it that we help them? You know, one
8: of the way, things that we do, we sit down, there's lots of complexities as far as what's the right project, what's the right vehicle, and let's try to do this in a tax-efficient way as
1: well. So we have a big team and lots of partners to help. Right. So there are options, but it 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 means that we've got to sit down and we've got to see what their goals are what it would what would work and where they would want to go that's
8: correct it is always based upon those one-on-one conversations that i love having with our clients yes
1: you do dr brian jacobs our chief economist at annex wealth management thank you very much thank you ladies and gentlemen consistency expertise and a dedication to providing elite service to our clients that's our goal it's time to investigate what annex can do for you we're ready to work with you as a fee-only fiduciary partner we need to start that conversation conversation. Click that Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. We'll be back here next Saturday at 10 o'clock. Thanks for listening. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on
0: 620 WTMJ. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management, and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.